Welcome to the Antioch Podcast. We're a justice-minded Christian church in beautiful Bend, Oregon, seeking and celebrating the reconciliation of all things. May the word of Christ dwell in you fully and give you peace. The scripture reading today is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 8, verses 4 to 8, 11 to 15, and 18. While a large crowd was gathered and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground. And when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seeds fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seeds fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than what was sown. When he said this, he called out, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear But as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seeds on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart, who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has has will be given more, who does not have Even what they think they have will be taken away from them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Fred. Morning, church. So good to see you all today. I'm glad that you're with us. We are in week seven of a nine-week series called The Work of the People, How Our Worship Forms Our Faith. And basically what we're doing is we're going through our typical Sunday service here at Antioch, and each week in this series, we're looking at one of the elements that makes up our order of service. And um, the reason we're doing this is because, first, I want you to know why we do what we do here, but even more importantly, I want you to care about the kind of person you're becoming. And whether you realize it or not, the way that you worship has a huge impact on who you become. And so uh, here's another way to think about it. How many of you remember this from the 90s? This uh, food pyramid was hanging in our kitchen when I was growing up. And uh, it's supposed to be kind of a visual guide to what a healthy, balanced diet looks like. And so the idea is that you should eat a lot of the stuff at the bottom and uh, not very much of the stuff at the top. Now, it turns out that the USDA maybe wasn't quite right. um, And this is why this particular food pyramid was retired around 2011. Apparently, eating 6 to 11 servings of bread and pasta a day (laughs) 
is uh, not ideal. Personally, I'm still holding out hope. I, maybe I'm just old-fashioned, but uh, kind of a traditionalist, so I'm going to stick with that. And, uh, it wasn't a perfect model, but uh, you get the idea. Um, there's an author named Brett McCracken who last year wrote a book called The Wisdom Pyramid. And his concern isn't so much food, but information. And he's worried that as Christians, we're consuming a ton of junk every day um, and very little of the good stuff. So he proposes something like this, a wisdom pyramid. What if instead of consuming so much information from social media and the internet, what if we fed ourselves from the scriptures and from the church, from nature and beauty, and actually, I don't know, read a book every once in a while? So his theory is that if we'd find, that we would find ourselves getting healthier emotionally, mentally, spiritually, if we paid closer attention to where we look for truth and understanding. And I think he's on to something. Can you imagine a community of people that were living this way? It's not that they never get online or whatever, but it's that they're not looking primarily to the internet and social media as their main sources for wisdom. So um, here's why I think this is especially important for us to think about in our current cultural moment. According to a CCS study done at Harvard a couple years ago, 40% of self-identified evangelicals attend church once per year or less. So what that means is that we have a whole bunch of people going around claiming to be Christian, but their view of the world has very little to do with the teaching of the Bible or the historic Christian faith, which is problematic. And so for this series, what we're trying to do is feed off the bottom of that pyramid, looking to the bottom two levels of the Bible and the church and asking how does what we do here together on Sundays each week contribute to our formation into the image of Christ. So that's why we're doing this series. Um, now, as you know, we follow a historic Christian order of service in our worship each week that has four distinct movements. Gathering, listening, communing, and sending. And this is the flow that we follow every single Sunday. And the idea is that the order of service itself actually tells the story of the gospel. So what I mean is that first we start um, by acknowledging the fact that it's God who has initiated relationship with us and has called us to himself. And so we respond by gathering in his name together. And then secondly, because our relationship with God has been fractured by sin and suffering, he sends his son to reveal himself to us and we respond by listening and by receiving his word. Third, because of Christ's life, death, and resurrection, uh, we are reconciled to God and we are invited to receive this grace by communing with him at the table. And then finally, God invites us to join him on his mission of reconciling all things in Christ. And so we end by sending each other out as witnesses to this coming kingdom every single week. And so each week, just by going through uh, this, this order of service, we are rehearsing or retelling the gospel story. So we have these four movements, and then under each of these four movements are various elements. And so far in this series, we've talked mostly about the gathering uh, movement. 
So the elements we've looked at have been singing together, declaring our worship, confessing our sin, the prayers of the people. And then last week, if you were here, Sean showed us how giving and serving on Sundays are actually essential parts of our Christian formation. Not because the church needs your time or money, but because if you wanna become like Jesus, then you need to learn how to give and serve generously. So that's where we've been. Today, we are moving from gathering to listening. And we're gonna be looking at that part of our service that we're in right now, the part where we listen to what God has to say to us. And the listening movement has two elements. The scripture reading and the sermon. So every single week when we gather, the scriptures are always read and the word is always preached. So this morning, that's what we're talking about, listening to God's word, which is kind of a meta thing to do, right? You're going to listen to a sermon about how to listen to a sermon. Um, But I think it's actually going to be helpful. So um, our scripture today is from Luke chapter 8, if you want to turn there in your Bible. And the context is that Jesus is preaching to a large crowd of people on the beach on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and he tells them a parable. He tells them this story, and it's about a farmer who's scattering seed across his farmland, and all the seeds land on different types of soil. And the the seeds that land in the good fertile soil, they take root and grow, and the seeds that land in the path or in the rocks or in the thorns, they all eventually wither and die. And so if you've done much gardening, I know we have a few farmers in the room. This is generally good advice, but it's not the main purpose. Jesus isn't trying primarily to give gardening advice here. He's actually talking about something else. In verse 11, he clues us in. Jesus says, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. The seed is the word of God. And so Jesus says that, God's word, which is the gospel announcement, the good news about the kingdom of God, is like a seed that's scattered across the earth, and all the people who hear that gospel are like different types of soil that the seed lands in. And so he says there's basically four types of soil representing these four types of people. Some are like hard soil, some are like rocky soil, some are like thorny soil, and some people are like good, fertile soil where the word of God sinks in, takes deep root, grows strong, and transforms their life forever. Now, what's so interesting about this parable that Jesus tells is that there's only one type of seed, but there are four types of soil, which is why it's so strange this story is most usually referred to as the parable of the sower. It's probably what the editorial heading that was added later in your Bible says. But it's not actually a parable about the sower. It's not about the farmer who's throwing the seeds. It's about the soil where the seeds get thrown. Because there's nothing wrong with the sower and there's nothing wrong with the seeds. It's the soil that's got a problem. And that's exactly what Jesus says later when he explains the meaning of his parable to his disciples. In verse 18, he tells them, here's the whole point. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. So the reason Jesus tells this story is to warn his disciples to pay close attention to how they listen when the word of God is proclaimed. Because the way we listen to God's word will radically affect the kind of person we become. 
And so we're gonna use this parable as a springboard to dive into a whole sea of scriptures that have to do with learning how to listen to the word of God in a way that will cultivate in us a greater hospitality to the Holy Spirit's work of forming the image of Jesus in us. And I know this is kind of a strange thing, like do I really need to listen to a sermon about how to listen to a sermon? Like don't I just kind of show up and stay awake and do my job? Um, Is there really a right or wrong way to listen? Well, apparently, Jesus thinks there is. So, our question this morning is, what does the Bible teach about how to listen to the reading, teaching, and preaching of God's word? And I wanna get super practical. I have three biblical practices for you for listening to a sermon. So, number one, listen with the desire and expectation to hear from God. Listen with the desire and expectation to hear from God. So, here's what Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 2. He says, we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. So Paul, as a pastor and teacher, is celebrating the fact that this church in Thessalonica understands that the preaching of God's word is one of the primary ways God has chosen to communicate with his people. And so when the Thessalonians listened to Paul's preaching and teaching, they believed that in hearing Paul's words, they were hearing the words of God. Again, Paul says, when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is the word of God. So there's all kinds of mystery at play here, and we're not going to be able to dig all the way down to the bottom of it today. But for, for now, the basic idea that I want you to grasp is that all throughout the scriptures, the preaching of God's word is a God-ordained means of grace. What that means is that one of the ways our creator God has chosen to reveal himself and speak into his creation is through the proclamation of his word. All throughout the story of the Bible, God raises up various people, kings and prophets, priests, judges, pastors, elders, apostles, and he calls them to be his mouthpiece, to say to the world what he is saying. And what you'll notice is all throughout the story of the Bible is that when God's people listen well to what God is saying through the preachers he's appointed, then things tend to go pretty well. But when they ignore God's word, when they reject it or forget it, that's when things tend to fall apart and things go badly. And so the preaching of God's word is one of his preferred ways for channeling his grace into, his, into our lives. So you can argue that maybe a 30-minute monologue isn't the most effective way to communicate a message, and I get you, but for whatever reason, preaching has always been one of the ways, not the only way, but one of the ways God has chosen to give himself to us. So when I tell you to listen to God's word with the desire and expectation of hearing from God, what I mean is your goal in listening to a sermon isn't to hear the preacher. Your goal is to hear God. So as your pastor, when I'm preaching, I try to say whatever God is saying through his word and spirit. That's my job, and I take that job seriously. I work hard at it. But your job isn't to listen to me. Your job is to listen to God. 
My main concern isn't that you get everything that I'm saying. My main concern is that you're getting what God is saying through the preaching of his word. So that's why we do this every week. And I wonder how many of us have had this experience sitting in church, listening to a sermon, and you feel like the pastor is talking directly to you. And you're kind of wondering, like, has, has he been reading my email or secretly spying on me or something? Usually not. Um, <laughs> that's God using the preaching of his word to speak to you. Most of us have experienced that in some way. And what's crazy is that sometimes people will come up to me after a sermon and they're all pumped about uh, something that they heard while I was preaching and it has nothing to do with what I was trying to say. <laughs> and I'm like, how did you get that from, and it kind of hurts my feelings, but they're excited, and so I celebrate that. It doesn't really matter. The important thing is that you were able to hear from God. It's pretty cool. The other cool thing is that God can speak to his people even when the sermon sucks. So <laughs> remember, Jesus' parable isn't about the quality of the seed. It's about the quality of the soil. I've met a few churchgoers over the year who really feel like their spiritual gift is critiquing the sermon. <laughs> and they show up for church every week like they're Simon Cowell judging on American Idol or something, pointing out everything they don't like. Um, I don't know if Jesus would call that hard soil or rocky or thorny, but it's not the good kind of soil that he's looking for. The point of the parable is that it's the condition of the soil, not the seed, that determines whether someone's going to be able to hear from God. Um, I've experienced this on both sides. I've heard from God while listening to really terrible preaching and teaching. And uh, it's, it's an incredible gift when that happens. And God has used some of my worst sermons to really touch people's lives. And I have preached some real stinkers in my day. I, I've uh, done a lot of this over the last 24 years, and some of them are just bad. Sometimes I bore myself to death. Sometimes I realize later that I totally butchered the text. Sometimes I've had a really rough week, or I'm not feeling well, or I'm worried of what someone's gonna think about something I have to say and it gets in my head, or, or whatever the reason, no matter how articulate or smart or funny or gifted your pastor is, and he is all those things, <laughs> we can be honest about that, there are always going to be bad sermons, right? But God's word isn't confined to world-class preaching. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 1, Paul says that God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise, the weak things of the world to shame the strong. What that means, I think, is that God likes speaking to his people in unexpected ways, even if that means taking a turd of a sermon and using it to really bless someone. So what a gift. Um, before we move on, what do you do when you show up wanting to hear from God, but your mind keeps wandering? And you keep thinking about work tomorrow or what you have to do when you get home later today. That's okay. It happens all the time. Um, and what I would recommend is you don't need to fight those thoughts. In fact, I've found that it's actually better to acknowledge them, to name them, even to write yourself a, a note or a reminder and uh, come back to it later. And what if it is one of those really bad or boring sermons and you're just having a hard time paying attention at all? Um, what do you do then? Well, I'd say first resist the temptation to get out your phone and get on Instagram or check on your fantasy football team or whatever. Um, and instead... 
If you need to, just open up your Bible and start reading. That's always allowed, and uh, we've all done it. So that's okay. Just uh, stay in that posture of however it is, God, that you want to speak to me today. I want to be listening. So if preaching is a God-ordained means of grace, then we show up here on Sundays with the desire and the expectation of hearing from him, listening to what God might have to say to us. That's number one. Listen Listen well. Number two, listen for what God is asking you to believe and do. Listen for what God is asking you to believe and do. So as you listen for God's voice, which may be something kind of new or different or weird to some of us, you're not just listening for a feeling or an impression you're actually listening for how God's word might confront some of the unexamined or undeveloped places in your life or your faith. So the point isn't just information or inspiration. The point is transformation. So here's how the book of James puts it. Don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Listening well means not letting God's word go in one ear and out the other. Now, no one expects you to retain every point of every sermon and be able to recite everything you hear. That's not the goal. That's not what we're going for. But I think that a lot of us do tend to treat the Bible the same way we treat those software agreements that pop up on our screens every once in a while. Like, we don't actually bother with what they say. We just scroll to the bottom and click agree. Anybody do that? Here's the thing, God doesn't want you to agree with his word. He wants you to obey it. The goal is for his word to become flesh, to get it lived. So how do we do that? I've got a few sub points for you on this one. First, let the scriptures critique you. Instead of coming to church to have all your biases confirmed, What if you came to be examined and challenged by the word of God? Because we all know it's easy to show up as opinionated people looking for our opinions to be validated, as opposed to showing up as students of Jesus, letting our ideas of what's normal be critiqued by the scripture. Hebrews chapter four says, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. The point is that we don't judge and critique God's word. God's word judges and critiques us. And this includes, obviously, the places in our lives where we are living in sin. The places that we are living in ignorance or rebellion of what God has instructed for his people. It confronts and critiques those parts of our lives, but it also critiques the places from our Christian upbringing that turn out to not be what the Bible actually teaches after all. So there are some things that I learned growing up in the church that I no longer believe or at least no longer see in the same way, not because I believe or value the Bible less, but because I believe and value the Bible more. So if you haven't changed any of your Christian beliefs since you were a kid, you may want to consider letting the word of God critique you. And you just might learn something. 
Next, listen for yourself. <laughs> Here's what I mean. It's easy to listen for what you think God is saying to other people. <laughs> but what does God want to say to you? And you know how many times I've heard somebody say, hey, great sermon, Pete. I just really wish my husband was here to hear it. <laughs> or, hey, great sermon. I'm going to send that link to my granddaughter. She really needs to hear it. And I'm like, that's great, but did you hear anything for yourself? Um, what's funny is Jesus actually dealt with this exact same thing with his first disciples. After he rose from the dead in John 21, then Jesus said to Peter, follow me. Peter turned and saw John was following them. When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. So Peter asked Jesus, Lord, what, what about that guy? What are you going to you got something to say to him, right? And Jesus is like, don't worry about him. I can take care of him. I want you to focus on what I'm saying to you. So don't try to listen for others. Listen for yourself. And final sub-point here, very practically, write down what you hear. Write down what you hear. Anything that jumps out at you, assume that you might be hearing from God. And write it down. Um, take notes on what the preacher is saying, take notes on the passage, on the sermon or whatever, but more importantly, take notes on what the Holy Spirit is saying. In Psalm 119, it says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And so if we're gonna hide God's word in our heart, a good way to start is by writing it down. So you can use the notes app on your phone, you can write in the margins of your Bible, or if you pay attention every single week in the pocket in front of you, there's a little card like this that says sermon notes. And it has a place to reflect, what do you sense God saying to you? And a place to respond, what do you want to say to God? These are here because we anticipate hearing from God each week when we gather. So you don't need to write down the whole outline unless that's your thing. Maybe it's just a sentence or two. Maybe it's a question that's burning. Maybe it's an idea or an image that sticks with you. Maybe it's just a single word. Whatever it is, that's great. Grab it. It's yours. That's God's word for you today. So how do we listen for what God is asking us to believe and do? First, let the scriptures critique you. Second, listen for yourself. And third, write down what you hear. And then, of course, look for a way to put it into practice. Um... Finally, number three, listen carefully for agreement with the scriptures. Listen carefully for agreement with the scriptures. As I said, all throughout the scripture, all throughout the history of the church, all across the globe, God has used the preaching of his word to reveal himself and speak to his people. But obviously, that doesn't mean that everything you hear in every sermon is going to be the word of God. We all know that there are plenty of cases of bad teaching, bad preaching, bad faith out there, lots of false teachers that should never be listened to. And so part of listening well means weighing everything you hear in the preaching and teaching of the word against the witness of scripture itself. So in other words, don't take the preacher's word for it. We talked earlier how some people are a little too critical when listening to a sermon. Other people aren't critical enough, maybe a little too gullible even. Um, in the book of Acts, we're told about this <clears throat> community of early Jewish Christians in a city called Berea, like the tacos. And when Paul came to their synagogue and proclaimed the gospel, 
The Bereans listened really carefully. Acts 17 says, Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. I love that. The Bereans weren't overly critical, but they also weren't gullible. They received God's word through Paul's preaching, but they didn't take Paul's word for it. They made sure that what he was saying was consistent with what God had already said in his word. So be like a Berean. Um, if you hear something here or wherever else that seems off or sounds inconsistent with what the Bible teaches, then check it out. Because believe it or not, sometimes pastors get it wrong. And I'm not just talking about the false teachers that you should never listen to. There are also times when good pastors at good churches simply misspeak or misinterpret God's word in one way or another. Sometimes it's that we say something that isn't true. Other times it's that we say something that isn't loving. Um, in both cases, they're wrong. In fact, if you were here at the 9 a.m. service two weeks ago, I got up and made a pretty cringy joke about my buddy Kip. And uh, I was immediately convicted by the Holy Spirit that that was wrong. And so the first thing I did after the sermon was went and apologized to Kip and tell him I was sorry. And he said it was fine and that it didn't, you know, didn't hurt him at all, which is great. But it was still wrong of me to say what I did because it wasn't loving. And so I apologize to you as well. Um, it was wrong, and I'm sorry. Sometimes pastors get it wrong, either because what we say is untrue or because it's unloving. So listen carefully for agreement with the scripture. So those are some biblical practices, how to listen carefully to God's word. Uh, we listen with the desire and expectation to hear from God. We listen for what God is asking us to believe and do, which means listening to the scripture critique us, listening for ourselves, and writing down what we hear. And finally, we listen carefully for agreement with the scriptures. Because in the end, it's up to us what kind of soil we're going to be. This is a decision we've been empowered by God to make. We get to decide whether we're going to be receptive souls to the gift of God's word. Because I don't know about you, but if the creator and redeemer of the universe wants to say something to me, I don't want to miss it. I want to be paying attention. I want to be positioned in a place and in a frame of mind where I'm able to hear and to receive the incredible gift that is God's self-revelation. And so let's remember that the ultimate reason that we have anything to listen to at all is because God in his great love has chosen to reveal himself to us and to speak to us through the scriptures, but even more definitively through his son, Jesus, the living word. Jesus is what God has to say to us. Jesus is what God is like. And Jesus, when we look at him, we see the ultimate seed. That he himself, 
goes down into the ground and he dies so that we might have life in his name. And so let's receive him into our hearts again today. Sean's going to come and lead us to the table this morning.